And welcome back to the Word Encounter, episode 81. As you can see, I'm here by myself today, and uh, I really enjoyed having my wife join us in episode 80, so much so. Let's see if we can make that a regular feature here on the Word Encounter, as well as potentially other guest appearances uh, to give their perspective on the Scripture. And so <clears throat> we concluded in Second Chronicles yesterday, and so today we're going to start with the prophets. Um, uh, the Old Testament is broken up basically into the minor prophets and major prophets. It doesn't have anything to do with their importance to the, uh, to the Word of God or anything like that. It just has to do with based on the length of the books. And so the minor prophets, of which there are 12, their books are smaller or shorter in length than the major prophets, of which there are four. And so in Ezra, we're going to deal with the first minor prophet here. And on the timeline, and this is like in the 400 to 500 B.C. range, 400 to 520, somewhere around there, uh, before Christ. <clears throat> and, uh, and so from the pro uh, prophet's perspective, we'll see um, uh, some of the events as they uh, unfold uh, from their, um, from their uh, perspective or observation. And with Ezra, um, uh, he was uh, dealing with the post exile Jews in uh, in that time frame and what was to happen with them and how they were to reconstruct uh, Judah and Jerusalem. And so, um, and basically we'll, we'll see here how God is faithful again when his people follow through on his laws, ordinances, and decrees. And so with that, let's get started with the book of Ezra. And so um, King Cyrus of Persia has made his decree with regard to people going back, the Jews going back uh, to Judah and Jerusalem in order to rebuild the temple uh, because he was uh, given a message from the Lord that this is what he was to do. And so he did it. <clears throat> and so it says in verse 5, um, So the family heads of Judah and Benjamin, along with the priests and Levites, everyone whose spirit God had roused, prepared to go up and rebuild the Lord's house in Jerusalem. The word says everyone whose spirit God had aroused um, aroused. That doesn't mean that all the Jews went back because they didn't all go back. Uh, they had been there for 50 plus years in, in their exiled territories. And some of them had prospered and whatnot. And so they didn't want to go back. And so we don't know what percentage of Jews went back, um, but not all of them went back. This is what we do know. And then it says in chapter uh, two, verse one, uh, these now, these now are the people of the province who came from those captive exiles King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon had deported to Babylon. They returned to Jerusalem and Judah, each to his own town. And so they went back. They didn't all go to the same place. They all went back to the town that they came from. It says they came with uh, Zerubbabel and Jeshua. And so these were the leaders uh, going back into Jerusalem from, um, from Babylon. And so we see that uh, uh, the word then in chapter two lists a very detailed list of who went back. And so if you want to have a detailed list of who uh, went back, then, then read chapter two, because it gives a breakdown of, of which, which tribes, where their lineage is, the numbers, uh, and, and all that detail-y type stuff. And then it says in verse 64, uh, the whole combined assembly numbered 42,360. 
So 42,360 Jews was the total number that went back. Well, not the total number, because in verse 65, it says not including their 3,700 uh, male and female servants and their 200 male and female singers. Uh, they also had uh, 736 horses, 245 mules, 435 camels, and 6,700 donkeys. And so this was the entourage, this was the party uh, that had left Babylon and were returning to Judah. And then it says in verse 68, after they arrived at the Lord's house in Jerusalem, some of the family heads gave free will offerings for the house of God in order to have it rebuilt on its original site. That was the commandment. The decree was to rebuild the temple on its original site, not anywhere in Jerusalem, but on its original site. And so when we got back, that's what the people sought out to do. We move on to chapter three and verse one. He says, when, in the seventh, uh, uh, when the seventh month arrived and the Israelites were in their towns, the people gathered as one in Jerusalem. And so everybody went back to his own town, I guess resettled where they uh, came from, and then they congregated in uh, Jerusalem. They met up in Jerusalem. It says in verse 2, Jeshua and his brothers, the priests along with Zerubbabel and, and his brothers, uh, began to build the altar of Israel's God in order to offer burnt offerings on it, as it is written in the law of Moses, uh, the man of God. And so the first thing they wanted to do is before they started any construction is that they wanted to start uh, making offerings to the Lord. And so <clears throat> it's kind of like when we pray before we eat. And so we're making an offering or prayer of thanksgiving to the Lord. And so this is what they wanted to do before they started the construction project. And it says on verse 6, on the first day of the seventh month, they began to offer burnt offerings to the Lord, even though the foundation of the Lord's temple had not yet been laid. And so, like I said before, they wanted to make sure, you know, they're coming out of exile and they knew uh, uh, how their ancestors had failed and they did not want to repeat those failings. And so uh, they want to make sure they do everything by the book, so to speak, with regard uh, to their relationship and dealing with God. In verse eight, it says, in the second month, of the second year after they arrived at God's house in Jerusalem, uh, Zerubbabel, uh, Jeshua, and the rest of their brothers, including the priests, the Levites, and all who had returned to Jerusalem from the captivity began to build. So that's when they started to build, <clears throat> in the second month of the second year after they arrived. In verse 10, it says, uh, when the builders had laid the foundation of the Lord's temple, the priests dressed in their robes and holding trumpets, and the Levites, uh, descended from Asaph, holding cymbals, took their positions to praise the Lord as King David of Israel had instructed. When all the people uh, gave a great shout of praise to the Lord because the foundation of the Lord's house had been laid. But many of the older priests, Levites, and family heads who had seen the first temple wept loudly when they saw the foundation of this temple. But many others shouted joyfully. So we see the old heads who knew what the former temple looked like in all its splendor and all its glory. They saw the foundation of this temple and they wept loudly. I guess that they were extremely disappointed at the, the for lack of a better word, meagerness, apparently, uh, that this foundation uh, was taken on in comparison to what the temple had used to be. Uh, used to be. So then we see in uh, chapter 4, verse 1, uh, when the enemies of Judah and Benjamin heard that the returned exiles were building a temple for the Lord, 
the God of Israel. They approached Zerubbabel and the family heads and said to them, let us build with you, for we also worship your God, and we have been sacrificing to him since the, um, since the king Esarhaddon of Assyria brought us here. So remember, if we can turn back a little bit, uh, that when, uh, um, uh, when the, 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 the captives or the, 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 the citizens of Judah were carried away um, by King Nebuchadnezzar and they were exiled from their land, they, they restocked the land, if you will, with peoples from other regions. And so these aren't necessarily Jews, although some of the poorest Jews did not get exiled. They did stay in the land. But it seems that most of the people that were populating Judah uh, at this time were people that were from other lands, from foreign lands. And so they're saying, look, we worship your God too. Uh, let us help you build a temple. In verse 3, but, but Zerubbabel, Jeshua, and the other heads of, the, uh, of Israel's families answered them, You may have no part with us in building a house for our God, since we alone will build it for the Lord. The God of Israel, as King Cyrus, the king of Persia, has commanded us. Then the people who were already in the land discouraged the people of Judah and made them afraid to build. So they got rebuffed in their efforts to help them rebuild. Did they really want to help them rebuild or did they want to sabotage the efforts? I really don't know, but they got rebuffed. And so in response to them getting rebuffed, they set out to, to discourage the Jews from building to the point of maybe even making threats and whatnot, because the word says that it made them afraid to build. And so uh, we move on, and then it says, um, the people who were already in the land uh, wrote an accusation against the residents of Judah and Jerusalem during the time of King Artaxerxes of Persia and the rest of his colleagues who wrote uh, to King Artaxerxes. The letter was written in Aramaic and um, translated. And it says, Rahim, the chief deputy, and Shimshai, the scribe, wrote a letter to King Artaxerxes concerning Jerusalem as follows. And it says, the text of the letter they sent to him, to King, Artaxer to King Artaxerxes from your servants, the men of the uh, region west of the Euphrates River, verse 12, let it be known to the king that the Jews who came uh, from you have returned to us at Jerusalem. They are rebuilding that rebellious and evil city, finishing its walls and repairing its foundations. Let it be known to the king that if that city is rebuilt and its walls are finished, they will not pay tribute, duty, or land tax, and the royal revenue will suffer. How do they know this? They don't know this. <laughs> Verse 14, since we have taken an oath of loyalty uh, for us to witness uh, his uh, dishonor, we have sent to inform the king that a search should be made in your father's record books. In these record books, you will discover and verify uh, that the city is a rebellious, harmful, uh, that the city is a rebellious city, harmful to kings and provinces. Uh, there have been revolts. Uh, in it since ancient times. That is why this city was destroyed. We advise the king that this city, uh, that if this city is rebuilt and its walls are finished, you will not have any possession west of the Euphrates. And so uh, they're sending a letter to the king warning him, don't let these Jews rebuild this city. You know, now a lot of this, you said, well, what's their motivation for doing this? Well, a lot of this, I think, is self-preservation. So they're west of the Euphrates. And so uh, they're there, and they you know, have a degree of power, I would assume, and they're looking at this kind of as a power struggle, I think, and so they're trying to nip this in the bud. They don't want this to get out of hand, and so um, and so uh, so uh, the king gets their their letter, 
And then he responds and he says, greetings. The letter you sent to us has been translated and read in my presence. I issued a decree and a search was conducted. It was discovered that this city has had uprisings against kings since ancient times, and there have been rebellions and revolts in it. Powerful kings have also ruled over Jerusalem and exercised authority over the whole region west of the Euphrates River, and tribute duty and land tax were paid to them. Therefore, issue an order for these men to stop so that this city will not be rebuilt until a further decree has been pronounced by me. See that you do not neglect this matter, otherwise the damage will increase and the royal interest will suffer. And so he's telling them, okay, tell them to stop and get get them to stop. And so they get the letter and they go and they forcibly stop the Jews from their reconstruction projects. It says in verse 24, now the construction of God's house in Jerusalem had stopped and remained at a standstill until the second year of the reign of King Darius of Persia. And so it's, it's estimated somewhere between 10 and 20 years uh, that construction has stopped. We, we don't know, but it's something like that. It says, but when the prophets Haggai and Zechariah, son of Idu, or Idu, um, prophesied to the Jews who were, in Ju- who were in Judah and Jerusalem, in the name of God of Israel who was over them, Jerubbabel and Jeshua began to rebuild God's house in Jerusalem. And so um, we see that um, uh, Haggai, the prophets Haggai and Zechariah, they prophesied. And then as the faithful servants of God that Zerubbabel and Jeshua were, they said, okay, we're going to start building again. <laughs> and that's what they did. And it says in verse 3, at that time, uh, Tintani, um, the governor of the region west of the Euphrates River, so this is his territory, they're rebuilding in his territory, came to the Jews and asked, who gave you the order to rebuild this temple and finish this structure? And so he's got a major project going on in the territory that he's in control of. And so he's like, okay, what's going on here? And so in verse six, it says, um, this is the text of the letter that uh, Ted and I, yeah, Tadani, the governor of the region west of the Euphrates River, uh, sent to King Darius. They sent him a report written as follows. And so he was like, who, who gave you this stuff? And so he's like, no, I ain't having this. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to write a letter to the king and essentially knock you out and tell him what you're doing so we can stop all this nonsense. And it says, uh, they sent him a report written as follows to King Darius. All greetings. Verse 8. This is chapter 5, verse 8. Let it be known to the king that we went to the house of the great God in the province of Judah. See, now, now you notice that Judah's been reduced to a province. It used to be a kingdom. But anyway, it is being built with cut stones and its beams are being set in the walls. This work is being done diligently and succeeding through the people's efforts. So we question the elders and ask, who gave you the order to rebuild this temple and finish the structure? We also asked them for their names so that they would write down uh, the names of their leaders for your information. And so you know, it's, it's almost like they're taking, they're making a roll call so it can make sure that these guys, the leaders, get recognized and punished is what is what the governor is thinking, in my opinion. And in verse 11, uh, this is a reply they gave us. And so this is what the Jews told him when they questioned him. We are the servants of God. <clears throat> of the heavens and earth, and we are rebuilding the temple that was built many years ago, which the great king of Israel built and finished. But since our fathers angered the God of the heavens, 
he handed them over to King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon, the Chaldean, who destroyed this temple and deported the people to Babylon. However, in the first year of King Cyrus of Babylon, he issued a decree to rebuild the house of God. He also took from the temple in Babylon the gold and silver articles of God's house that Nebuchadnezzar had taken from the temple in Jerusalem and carried them to the temple in Babylon. He released them uh, from the temple in Babylon to a man named uh, Sheshbazar, Sheshbazar uh, the governor, by the appointment of King Cyrus. Uh, Cyrus told him, take these articles, put them in the temple in Jerusalem, and let the house of God be rebuilt on the original site. Then the same Sheshbazar... Um, came and laid the foundation of God's house in Jerusalem. It had been under construction from that time until now, but it has not been completed. And so what the Jews are telling these guys or the governor is that, hey, we are under king's orders. You may not know this, but King Cyrus ordered, uh, you know, put forth a decree, and, and, and that is what we are doing. And so then it says in verse 17, so if it pleases the king, let a search of the royal um, archives in Babylon be conducted to see if it is true that a decree was issued by King Cyrus to rebuild the house of God in Jerusalem. Let the king's decision regarding this matter be sent to us. And so this letter was sent to the king, the king's reading. So the king's getting one side of it from the governor. He's getting this other side of it uh, from the Jews. And so that's what the king does. He issues an order to search the archives. And, and the archives were, you know, certain, and, and the decree was found. And so then we see in verse 3 in chapter 6, In the first year of King Cyrus, he issued a decree concerning the house of God in Jerusalem. Let the house be rebuilt as a place for offering sacrifices and let its original foundations be retained. Uh, its height is to be 90 feet, its width, and blah, 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 blah. So he goes on. So now the king is being educated on what the decree was from King Cyrus. And so, therefore, Darius makes a decree, okay, after he reads this. In verse 6, he says, Therefore, uh, you must stay away from that place, uh, Tatanai, governor of the region west of the, Euphrates, uh, west of the Euphrates. And so he's telling Tatanai, the governor, you know, okay, now I know what the deal is. You stay away from that place. Verse 7, leave the construction of the house of God alone. Let the governor and elders of the Jews rebuild the house of God on its original site. I hereby um, issue a decree concerning what you are to do so that the elders of the Jews can rebuild the house of God. Okay, cool. But it goes, he goes further than that. <laughs> the cost is to be paid in full to these men out of the royal revenues from the taxes of the region west of the Euphrates River so that the work will not stop. So he said, not only are you to let them build and complete the house of God in your territory, but you are going to pay for it because it's going to come from the taxes out of your region. And then it says in verse 9, whatever is needed, young bulls, rams, lambs, you know, burn out, whatever is needed, let it be given to them every day without fail so that they can offer sacrifices and pleasing aroma to the God of the heavens. <laughs> and here's the key. And pray for the life of the king and his sons. <laughs> so King Darius is throwing his own personal interest in there as to why the governor is to leave the Jews alone so that, so that they can finish building uh, the temple of, the, of uh, the God of Israel because he's making sure that he's getting covered in this as well. But he doesn't stop there. He goes even further. 
in verse 11. I also issue a decree concerning any man who interferes with this directive. Let a beam be torn from his house and raised up. He will be impaled on it and his house will be made into a garbage dump because of this offense. He says, you know, not only are you to pay for it, not only are they going to pray for me and my sons, but if anybody interferes with them, we're going to take a beam from his house, kill him on the beam, and then turn his house into a garbage dump. <laughs> and so what did Tatanai do, the governor? He did exactly what the king directed him to do. And so it says in verse 14, so the Jewish elders continued successfully with the building under the prophesying of Haggai and the prophet Zechariah. Uh, they finished the building according uh, to the command of God of to the command of the God of Israel and decrees of Cy, uh, and the decrees of Cyrus, Darius, and King Artaxerxes of Persia. This house was completed uh, on the third day of the month of Adar, the sixth year of the reign of King Darius. And so we see uh, that they were successful in their mission uh, to go back to Jerusalem and then rebuild the house of the Lord, the temple of God. Even though they had uh, obstructions, they had people trying to stop them, God was on their side. This is what was to be done. This is what he decreed. And this is what, in fact, happened. And it happened with favor. They got favor in the process of doing it, even though it appeared like the obstacles may be too big. And again, we just see lesson after lesson, moral after moral in the word with regard to what happens when we adhere to the word of God, how he works on our side, even though we might not recognize or see it. And we meet with degrees of success that we would never have met with had we tried to accomplish these things on our own. And so with that, we are going to conclude uh, uh, episode 81 and pick up uh, in Ezra's arrival in Jerusalem tomorrow with chapter 7. So everybody take care and have a blessed day. Bye-bye.